Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. Today, for your listening pleasure, we have an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. This article was first published on September 19th of 2010, under the headline, Oregon's Cattlemen Sheepmen War... 10,000 Woolly Casualties. Here we go. When you hear the term range war, chances are you think of the movie Shane with Alan Ladd. Or maybe you're a pulp westerns fan and your mind goes straight to the 1880s Pleasant Valley Massacre in Arizona, the one Zane Gray wrote about in To the Last Man. It isn't widely known, but Oregon had its own range war in central Oregon. It simmered for decades and finally boiled over into violence in the first few years of the 1900s. But if Gray had written its story, he probably would have called it to the last sheep. The rangeland of central and eastern Oregon was, at this time, unregulated in public, and for many years the big cattle outfits had let their animals run on it. Of course, because it wasn't their land, they had no real incentive to take care of it, and they didn't. But that was mostly okay, because cattle are picky eaters. They might chew the regular grass down to the roots, but they'd leave various other weeds behind to hold most of the soil in place, at least. By the 1890s, though, more than 100,000 woolly white interlopers were competing with the cattle for prime grazing lands, and sheep don't mind eating a weed. So when a sheepman let his flock overgraze a field, the result was a more extreme form of damage. Sheepmen were also harder to keep tabs on. They lived out especially built wagons, the predecessor to the modern camp trailer, with stove and kitchen and sleeping berth, pulled from grazing site to grazing site by a horse or two. They tended their flocks on foot. Often the way a cattleman would figure out where they were was when he'd drive his herd for days to a high meadow only to find that a flock of sheep had taken it down to dirt and rocks. It wasn't the sort of situation that usually ends well. In this case, it ended in the formation of something called the IZ Sheepshooters in Grant County in the mid-1890s. This enterprising group of cattlemen had a fairly simple business model. Sneak up on a sheep camp, capture capture the sheepman, and tie him to a tree and slaughter the entire flock with gun, knife, or club, right on the spot. Participants were sworn to secrecy and agreed that although murder was not their goal, if a sheepman were killed during an operation, he would be buried on the spot and nothing said. After these fellows got a few successful operations under their belts, at least one similar organization sprang up in neighboring Crook County. The cattlemen's operations really got going in the early 1900s, with single operation kills of 2,400 sheep at Benjamin Lake in 1903, 3,000 in a corral at Silver Lake, and later 2,300 in the same place in 1904, and 1,000 in the Ochco Mountains in 1905. Of course, there were many smaller operations involving flocks of just a few hundred or even a few dozen. The sheepmen, fortunately, did not respond in kind, probably because their solitary sheep herders and their big, highly visible camp wagons were so much more vulnerable than were the cowboys. Cowboys slept in bunkhouses or in discreet hidden camps under the stars and were, thanks to their horses, capable of scouting much larger areas. 
Had the sheep herders responded to the invitation to escalate the violence, they would probably not have fared well. Instead, they complained to the authorities, asking county officials to do something about it. Sheep shooters responded by urging county authorities to mind their own business and not get involved, advice the local governments for the most part took. Sheepmen also tried to arrange meetings with cattlemen to work matters out amicably, but the cattlemen, probably sensing that they had the upper hand, weren't interested. A $1,500 reward was offered for information leading to the arrest of the sheep shooters, but no one needed the money badly enough to turn rat for it. Everyone knew it was a matter of time before something happened and someone died. And this may actually have happened. The sheep shooters certainly wouldn't have announced if it had. Indeed, there was one death, that of storekeeper Creed Khan in Silver Lake, officially ruled a suicide but considered so deeply suspicious that the Daily Oregonian newspaper frankly called it a murder. In her book, The Grassy Knoll Murder, Christmas Valley historian Melanie Tupper argues convincingly that the Khan murder was unrelated to the sheep shooters, but that the killer took advantage of the simmering rage war to try to shift the blame. She's probably right. For more information about Khan and the local character who most likely killed him, check out the two-part series that Offbeat Oregon History ran about him. His name was Ray Van Buren Jackson. But Oregon's range war never went further than that. Probably because the problem was solved by Uncle Sam. In a move surely at least partly inspired by the violence and the damage to land that the old system encouraged and rewarded, the federal government, which remember was the actual owner of most of the land being fought over, took action in 1906. It ordered the rangeland supervisor to divide the public land into grazing allotments and give them exclusively to one operator each for a fee. With the public rangeland suddenly off limits to all but one cattle or sheep operation, there was no longer anything to fight over. And if one operator was grazing on another's allotment, it was clear to all who was in the wrong. So Central Oregon's range war just faded away. By the time it did, though, more than 10,000 sheep had been killed, and at least one sheep herder would be wounded by a stray bullet. Not a single sheep shooter was ever prosecuted, accused, or even publicly identified. Key sources in this story have included works by Cole and Leslie, Melinda Jett, and the Oregon Historical Society's Oregon History Project. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. Check out our hub page at offbeatoregon.com to explore all the other things we do or to find full citations and visuals that go with today's show. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details of that, see offbeatoregon.com slash cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Offbeat Oregon History episodes are uploaded every weekday morning at around 6 a.m., so it'll be a couple of days before you get your next fix. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day and the subsequent weekend with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.